Okay. Well, I've been offering a very long series. It feels long. I'm not sure when we started um, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. It seems like it's been a couple of months now. Um, and we are tonight on the last path factor. So this, this concludes for now anyway, this, this series. And um, we're in this section of the Eightfold Path uh, that really has to do with the, um, our intentional sitting practice or um, our meditation practice, I should say. And we've talked about wise effort and wise mindfulness. And tonight I want to dive into wise concentration and what that means in terms of the path factor um, in the Eightfold Path, but also giving it a little bit larger of a context because it's being used in a particular way in the Eightfold Path, but it shows up in other ways in our tradition and in Buddhism. And so I thought it might be helpful to bring in um, different, different ways it's being used when we talk about concentration and then the Pali words um, that are, are used to distinguish different types of concentration. Concentration, uh, talking about concentration doesn't pull a crowd. <laughs> There's something about it that I don't, I'm not exactly sure what it is. I think there's, there's different, uh, I don't know, there's maybe different, different uh, reasons for that. You know, it, maybe it sounds a bit dry, the word concentration, or, you know, maybe it, um, for some people, there's already an assumption, well, that's, that's just not something I can do or the kind of practice I'm interested in. There's um, some idea around it that I, I think it's not sexy enough or it's not, you know, I don't know, it's not juicy, concentration. <laughs> so poor concentration. <laughs> but actually, it's, it's incredibly important. It's something that as practitioners, my guess, especially looking at who's here, is that everyone is touched into it at least if not gone into deeper states of concentration, it's absolutely necessary for this path. So we've gone through all these eight path factors. You can't take out concentration and, and truly walk this path. Concentration is essential. And it's, it's not only a path factor, um, it's also considered one of the seven um, mental faculties for enlightenment. It's, it's, it's a, uh, an ability that is um, necessary in order to develop insight and to even go all the way uh, towards enlightenment. Concentration is said to have a power, um, mindfulness and, and um, virya or that, uh, that effort energy um, is said to have powers. And so for concentration, it's the power against disturbance in the mind. And so even just hearing that, we, we know we know we need that. 
we, we need that power to sustain our mindfulness, to stay present, um, the power against mental disturbance. So, so the word in Pali often used is samadhi. It's S-A-M-A-D-H-I, samadhi. And more directly, that, that word is often one-pointedness. Um, sometimes it's uh, stabilize, to stabilize the mind. That one-pointedness, so when we're, we're directing the mind in, in one direction onto one experience, is one-pointedness, stabilize, um, to collect. I like that, uh, that idea of collecting the mind. That works for me, but different, different minds will need different definitions to, to really um, have it meet your experience of what it means to have a concentrated mind. You'll notice though, within all of these, none of them are saying that you have to be, you know, bearing down and, you know, really, <laughs> you know, putting every ounce of, of effort into um, creating that concentrated mind. And there are times where we have to put a lot of energy into um, stabilizing the mind, but it has to be done wisely. Otherwise, um, we, we kind of go into this idea of concentration, of what it means to concentrate. I think this word in English, we have a different experience of it to, to concentrate something. Um, it sounds like a lot of something that will require a lot of effort and energy. And I think this trips people up quite a bit. So I, I want to address that. So where mindfulness helps us uh, meet whatever's in the moment, it helps us meet that constant flux of life, of experience moving. We're able to connect. If mindful, mindfulness is anything, it's that contact with what is here. And then Samadhi, uh, one way of thinking about it is the mind's ability to not only connect, but then to have that stabilized attention. So we can be mindful of an unconcentrated mind. And you've, you've experienced that where the mind is, you know, there and then you bring it back and it goes over there and you bring it back. Um, a real restless mind. We can be mindful of that and just be totally unconcentrated. We can know this is an unconcentrated mind. When we're able, though, to bring in concentration, that, that factor of concentration, the experience of mindfulness changes in a way. Uh, we notice that we're not bouncing around so much. We're able to um, direct the mind. Uh, more intentionally, we're able to rest. There's something very restful about a concentrated mind. And these are, this is important to, to know the, the difference and get a sense of the difference between just mindfulness and then um, mindfulness with this concentration. 
when we don't have that concentration, there's a way to um, actually bring in some of the um, conditions that are needed for, for concentration. Concentration is a conditioned state. So it needs certain conditions in order to exist. If we know the ingredients of that, those conditions, then we're more likely to have a concentrated mind, which we want. We want that stabilization. When we are able to have that stabilization, even when everything around us in our experience is swirling, there's that, that part of us that can rest within that swirling experience, within that constant change. It's not disruptive. It's not disturbing. There's something that is able to witness, okay, this is what's going on much more clearly. We're not getting pulled um, by whatever it is. Uh, uh, Nyolsho uh, Kempo Rinpoche has a wonderful quote that I'm sure many of you have heard that to me speaks to this. It says, rest in natural great peace. This exhausted mind beaten helplessly by karma and neurotic thought, like the restless fury of the pounding waves in the infinite ocean of samsara, rest in natural great peace. And that quote can mean many things, but I, I like this idea of, um, or even relate to the experience of that, just neurotic thoughts, neurotic mind, swirling old patterns showing up, stuck in samsara, that constant loop of, of suffering, just, oh, here I am again. And then is there something to the core of it all that can witness it and not be tripped up by it? Is there something that is more stabilizing? And, and this is where concentration um, is so powerful. Now, samadhi is often um, used in connection with another word, shamatha. And shamatha is uh, a, a type of concentration. It goes with concentration, but its intention is to calm and to soothe. And we can use it very wisely, this type of concentration. Um, it's a little bit different from samadhi, from wise samadhi, wise concentration, and I'll say more about that in a little bit. But to know that there, there are different types of concentration. So this calming or um, uh, way of, of bringing in more of a serenity uh, into our practice can be very skillful, especially when there's a lot of stress uh, when we just, we can feel the hindrances present. Um, you know, some of you came in at the, at the beginning, you saw Leo, Leo came in. And so I rang the bell and then I went to help him out and he just didn't want to go out. And so there was, there was a bit of a struggle of me carrying him out of the room and bringing him downstairs and helping calm him down. And then he was fine. But then I came up and sat down and I could feel I was, I was, you know, not calm. <laughs> I could feel all that energy in my body. And, um, and so I, I know how the tricks of how to bring in that calm 
concentration. I use my breath. And we do that often, especially at the beginning of the meditation. There's that instruction of let's start with some full, deep breaths. You know, sometimes people will do full body breathing and it brings in this, this relaxation. Sometimes I experience it as, as my nervous system just taking this, this bath in, in calm and serenity. It's just oh, such a relief. And when we are able to do that for ourselves, when we're able to use our mindfulness, use our mind in this particular way with this intention, that this is very intentional, um, you can start to feel just the, the power of the mind. That it's, we can wield it. Um, it's more pliable. Uh, we can set that kind of intention and, and actually produce those effects, creating those conditions. And in that too, you'll notice that the hindrances become much less, that, that disturbance of the mind and what's being called a disturbance mostly is the hindrances. So that restlessness and, and worry, all the doubt, uh, the wanting, the not wanting, even, even that sloth and torpor that uh, just wanting that apathy um, uh, begins to fade. And this is really important related to concentration. The more concentrated the mind, the less the hindrances are able to enter. There's no space for it. So this shamatha technique, and, uh, which can be many different things, but the ones I named, just using the breath or ways to really soothe the body, um, is, is one way to, um, you could actually do, a, you could do full sits like that, um, but it's also a nice way to aid your samadhi uh, meditation, going from that, very tranquil, calm mind, and where which could be a full body experience, and then directing it into this more one-pointed um, concentration. And so that's where I want to go next is this one-pointed samadhi meditation. So often in in our tradition, you get the instruction here at the breath. You know, you might be told keep your attention right here at the sensations coming in and out of the nostrils and, and getting into the subtlety of the breath, you know, sitting there uh, just with the slightest sensation of air uh, moving past the outer nostril, just right, just right here at the tip of the nose might be where you're able to land all of your energy and, and effort. And, um, you know, there's other places too. Sometimes it's sound. We can, we can do the same with sound, other body sensations. It doesn't have to be any one thing in particular, but there's different styles. And so you'll hear those different styles from different teachers. I tend to say, go with what works. <laughs> Find where does your mind want to be? Where does it like to be? Where is it able to to stay interested and stabilized. 
And so that interest is one of the conditions that's really important for, for concentration. There has to be interest. The interest is the energy. You know, that's, that's the effort. It's not, you know, oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put that, <laughs> that attention right there on that sensation. Uh, it's too much, it's too, that's too much energy. It's not sustainable. I think I've told this group before that I sat um, a month long practicing uh, the, the jhanas, which are as a, as a high concentrated um, practice, which I'll talk about um, for a month and on retreat. And for, for, the, for a long period of that um, retreat, I was over efforting. I was trying so hard to get myself into these jhanic states. And I thought that that was the way, you know, I hear concentration and that just seemed to make sense. You know, you just, you push your way in. And um, I developed headaches and tinnitus um, in my ear uh, because I was, I was pushing so hard. I was actually having physical um, effects, side effects from it. Um, that's not, I mean, that's gotta be some kind of warning uh, bell right there, mindfulness bell. Something's not right. <laughs> if it's causing ringing in your ears and headaches and body pain, um, if it's creating more stress, then something's not in alignment. But um, it took me a while. I was so convinced I was getting there because I was, I was getting into these states, but they weren't sustainable. I was exhausted. I'd hit the end of the day and I'd be totally exhausted. I used every ounce of energy doing it and then would have nothing left. And um, you know, part of what we're going for here is this sustainability um, and, and not hurting ourselves <laughs> while trying to do it. So we need this, our, our nervous systems are needing this soothing. That's a really important piece to think of it more as we go into this one pointed. That's why I like this term collect. I think of, um, you know, what, what the image of that, of collecting my attention. It's almost like, um, you know, you're, I get this image of clouds, you know, you're just very gently pulling it all together, bringing it all together into this one point. It's, it's very different. It's a different way of approaching it. So this, this um, curiosity um, as, as part of, as the energy, um, it does, it's important to be alert. We do need alertness for this. Um, engaged to be just to be fully engaged in what we're paying attention to and then to bring in this sense of um, relaxation or ease just some part of that uh, um, brings in a balance with concentration other factors that are really important have to do with how we live our lives sila is um, extremely important when it comes to whether we're going to have a concentrated mind or not. 
nothing disturbs our mind more than when we're not living in an alignment with sila. And so we experience that when we get quiet and we close our eyes and we're trying to pay attention to something like the breath. And we've, you know, said something that was harmful or we, we did something that um, maybe was even harmful to ourselves. It's, it's amazing on, in, in meditation how sometimes we're reliving the karma of, of past actions and speech from, you know, it might be decades ago and it'll pop up. We're thinking, I haven't thought of that in, in years. And, and I thought I was over it. And here I am sitting here. I'm so, I feel so guilty or I feel, so, you know, so ashamed or, you know, we, it's our, our actions and our speech. It's, it's so important to uh, the state of our mind. And of course, the things we've done in the past, we've done, and we're living out that karma. And there's ways to, to work with that, you know, using heart practices, forgiveness practices. Um, there's ways to make amends uh, with ourselves and others. But we don't want to create more. <laughs> we've probably all got enough <laughs> to work with. We don't want to create more. Sila is so important to our mind for wondering why is my mind so restless all the time? Why? Doesn't mean you're a bad person. I'm not talking about good person, bad person. I'm, I am talking about um, how we, how are we living our lives? Is it conscious? Is it, um, are we moving through our day with consciousness? And that um, brings an, another factor that's important to, um, creating the conditions, and that is continuity, that we're consistent in how we are moving through our day, as much mindfulness as possible, you know, finding where is it that I'm lacking consciousness, where am I lacking mindfulness, the more we can be present for our life and catch those moments where um, we could, in fact, cause harm to ourselves or others, uh, it's, it's like medicine for our mind. It's why on retreat, the whole, the whole thing is set up so that whether you, whether it works or not, that's, you know, that's up to us individually, but um, the whole schedule, all the people who are there cooking and, you know, making sure you're, you get to the right room and, this, you know, the walking and the sitting and the talks, everything is designed for continuity and for everything to have consciousness involved so that there's, there's hopefully not much space for, for anything but practice. And then, of course, we do, we do what we do. <laughs> But that continuity is, is um, incredibly helpful. Bring continuity to your life and your mind will center. It will um, collect. Um, there's less and less effort needed. There's all that interest is there because we're, we are already in contact and um, engaged in our life. We're not living somewhere else in our mind. We're, we're here. 
And so when we sit to be mindful and to concentrate, it already knows what to do. The mind knows what to do. Well, I'm, I realize I have um, a lot to say on con concentration. Um, oh, let's see, do I wanna? Hmm. Uh, I think I'll stay in this vein. Why is concentration part of um, what's being pointed to here in the path is not only that sila is being used to create the right conditions, but that concentration then in turn is being used to increase our sila. So we can be concentrated and cause harm. So, you know, you could, um, the example I've heard is, you know, someone who's robbing a house, um, burgling a, a house is probably pretty alert and concentrated. There's not a lot of distraction. There's probably a lot of adrenaline and focus going on, but that's not, that would not be considered wise concentration, clearly. That's, that's going against sila. And so there, there's a, um, an intertwined, um, um, there's a real connection between sila and concentration going both ways. But the concentration is there to increase the sila and sila is there to increase our concentration. And then within that, we have those, um, those hindrances that um, in our practice, we are actively trying to not feed the hindrances. We don't always have the ability to just not have them there, but if they are there that we're actively not feeding them, we're not, we're not fanning that flame. We are um, using our mindfulness wisely to know this is what's happening. This is the hindrance, the lens that I'm seeing things through right now. And the more we can do that and dissipate the power of the hindrances, um, the more the mind is able to rest, the more the concentration arises. And as concentration arises, there's less room for the hindrances. So you can see how all of this is very connected and they all work together. But if you don't know that and you're sitting and just paying attention to the breath, hoping that everything's gonna calm down, um, that's possible, but it's a lot harder. It's, it's a lot longer road than if you know how all of these fit together, that they all support each other, that they're all conditional and there's certain things you can do to increase the likelihood that they will appear, that the, the mind states you want um, or the mental faculties you want will, will be available. I do want to say just a little bit about the jhanas. Um, in terms of the, the Eightfold Path, the, it's speaking to um, wise concentration related to sila, and it's, it's also speaking to uh, the jhanas, these higher states of concentration. 
So as we're engaging in this one-pointed um, practice, if that's the practice that you're doing, and remember there's so many mindfulness and meditation practices, you're not always doing it like this. This is not always the intention. Um, but when you, you are training the mind in this way, um, you are limiting that outer, uh, all the noise, uh, all this outer stimulus. You're directing the mind in this very particular way, landing on a particular singular experience. And what that does is um, allow us to see more clearly and bring forward through the concentrated concentration, certain states of mind um, in a more intensive way. Now, now if we start to understand concentration. It's, it's not concentration necessarily as this way of getting concentrated. It's this concentrated experience of the mind. Does that make sense? Okay. So um, there are formed jhanas and formless jhanas. I wanna talk about the formed jhanas. Um, the formless jhanas, I've never, I haven't experienced or stable, not in a stabilized way. Um, so I don't talk about them because it's not within my experience. And my understanding is also that they're not, they're not actually necessary for awakening. They're um, very high levels of concentration that some are able to do. Um, but these, the, the formed jhanas are, um, are, are the ones that are most important is, is what I understand. And so there's four here and each have uh, particular characteristics. And to enter these jhanas, it takes intention. It's, it's not something falling into, it's something that takes intention and understanding of how concentration works. So all of these conditions have to be ripe and present um, for jhana practice. So can, assuming that they are, then uh, this one-pointed concentration as we begin to go further into the, to it and are able to um, uh, concentrate our experience of, of the mind, we enter the first jhana, which um, is sometimes characterized as this very, very pleasurable state of, uh, sometimes um, it can be a very intense energy that comes in uh, it's different for different people. Uh, sometimes, um, sometimes it can feel a little destabilizing because of its intensity, but um, it takes some practice to get used to it and realize that really uh, there's more beyond it. That once we can stabilize it, we can go into further jhanas. There are five jhanic factors that um, will be present 
if you're in the first jhana and they're kind of roadmaps so you know the terrain this is this is where i am this is the jhana that i'm in and i'm going to say them but even with saying that they don't they're not experienced the same in every single person sometimes people experience the jhanas quite differently and so uh some of these roadmaps or the the classic roadmap is that there's uh, sustained thought, that there is still um, thinking happening in this jhana. Joy, this feeling of um, uh, um, intense happiness or um, an energized happiness. Joy hap and then happiness. There's the one-pointedness still there. So there's still the object and the experience of the mind being very steady on that particular sensation. And then continuing with that, with that one-pointedness, there is um, then another uh, kind of um, absorption is one of the ways that it's explained, and that's how I experience it. It's kind of moving in further into the concentration, into the second jhana, which is has much more of this experience of joy that comes in. Um, to me, there is um, still that in some of that intensity, but it's mellow. It's a lot more mellow. And there's this real happiness that comes forward. So joy, happiness, and that one pointedness are still present. And that thought is no longer um, present, that applied thought. And then absorbing further uh, into the third jhana, uh, is this one's characterized by contentment. There's um, uh, something very smooth about, <laughs> that's the best way, there's something very smooth about the third jhana. The intensity um, is gone. There's a, a real sense of quiet. Um, again, there's the hindrances aren't present in any of these. And so there isn't that pull into, ooh, I want more, ooh, I want less. Um, it's just this very even feeling in the, in the third jhana. So um, contentment and that one-pointedness is still present. And that's the experience of the third jhana. And then it goes into the fourth one. And this is characterized by stillness and equanimity, which um, it's, it's hard to, um, I find the third and the fourth for me feel very similar. And there's just maybe a slight difference where I can feel that um, uh, a little bit more, um, for me, it feels more spacious. There's something that kind of opens up, it's that, uh, um, there's something larger about the fourth jhana in my own experience. Very settled, nothing disturbing, um, very quiet. The mind isn't 
Yes, there's the thinking mind isn't there. And so all that's left is that one pointedness. Um, I want to say more about that. There can sometimes be less of an experience of the body too. The body is still there, it's still formed, but there's, uh, it feels more transparent in some way. We begin through these uh, jhanas to get this experience of not self and of impermanence in a very different way. The Buddha sometimes talked about the jhanas actually as these temporary, um, temporary enlightenment or moments of enlightenment that um, you get a taste, a taste of enlightenment, I think was another way of that he'd phrase it. It's not the same as enlightenment, but you get the flavor of it in these states. It's worth cultivating. Um, it's worth taking time to practice these, these concentrated states for, uh, for all the reasons that I've said, but some of the reasons I haven't said is to um, solidify some, some of your faith in, oh, this is what we're doing. <laughs> when you get this taste of awakening, uh, when you can see when you come out of the, uh, the jhanas, there's often uh, a deeper understanding than through your insight practice of what, what it means when we're talking about impermanence and what it means when we're talking about not self. Just even the experience of not suffering in, in the jhanas, there's such lack of suffering. Mm the hindrances aren't there. Often a lot of body disturbance too goes away. So you're less likely to be experiencing um, any uh, your body ailments. So um, beyond just being really pleasant states, it gives us it gives this this uh, this look into what we're doing, <laughs> what what this is all about. When practicing the jhanas and and even just just concentrated states, concentrated mind. Maybe it's not the jhanas that you're able to do, but the mind gets concentrated. Uh, it does strengthen our ability. It strengthens our um, ability to um, use the mind in particular ways. Be, we start to know how to navigate with the mind and um, bring it into a particular state without so much struggle or confusion around it. It becomes a lot more clear how, how the mind works and what are the factors that are needed in order to um, bring in that concentration, that stabilization, that calm, all of these things that, you know, when we're, when we're in our meditation and we're just hoping <laughs> those will come in, 
you know, we all fall into these states too in our meditation. I bet, I bet many of you have found yourself there and then wish you could get back there <laughs> and don't, but don't know how to do it because you've kind of fallen into it, but you don't know, you don't know which way, how you got there. And so that's, that's another part of this is really understanding, okay, when I bring in this, you know, this interest, this relaxation, oh yeah, I see it. The mind is calming down. Oh, I see the hindrances. If I can bring that attention to it and not feed it, it starts to lessen. Oh, and there's the concentration. It starts to come in. The hindrances are, are at bay. So you just, you can start to see kind of like building, building blocks, like we're, we're building up our, our consciousness. So I know that's a lot. <laughs> we're just about at time. I'm glad I got, I got it in. <laughs> I wonder if there, I know we, we are at almost at time, but if there's any, anything uh, that just seems very confusing or you want more clarity on that I could offer. Where do you get stuck with concentration? Yeah, Deb. I feel like a dharmic sponge tonight. Oh, it's like this, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, because uh, formally, I didn't really get the jhanas. And just, it just all kind of, you know, just fell into place. Like, oh, so that's what was happening. You know, uh, I think that concentrate it's so here. It's like it's like catamount do as far as this practice goes. If we don't have this, the rest of it's like, you know, not top liver. You know, uh, so thank you for this. It was really, really good. Oh, good. I really appreciated it. I'm glad. You know, and the jhanas, it's always I always hesitate to talk about it outside of retreat it's they're hard to do you can definitely do it in day-to-day -day life there they it is easier because of the condition piece on retreat and you have more time to to build that concentration on retreat um but i do think it's important to know and and especially if you find yourself in that territory um to know that there there's there's a roadmap. And when you get there, it's not always that clear. <laughs> you're, you're all individuals and you'll, you might experience these slightly different. Um, but, um, but that's, then you can, you can ask about it. You at least know you're in the territory and then you can reach out to get some help with that. Um, I'm glad that that was helpful and clarifying, Deb. Oh. Good. All right. Well, then.
we'll end it there. I do like to have more back and forth time, Q&A, but um, it just, there was just so much to say, I guess. So sorry about the limited question time. We'll dedicate the merit together. So maybe the benefits of our practice this evening, may it be not just for ourselves, may the merit of our sit, our listening, sharing the Dharma, may it ripple out in all directions and be for the benefit of all beings everywhere, excluding none. May we all be happy and content. May we all be safe from inner and outer harm. May we all be healthy in mind and body. May we all be free. May all beings be free. Okay, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thank and you, Kay, for being thank here. You, it was thank great. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. And remember, the 30th this month is our, our in-person for those who can come. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Take Good night, care. everyone. Thank Good you. Night. Oh, bye, puppies. <laughs> bye, puppies. Oh, Good night. Good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.